welcome back to Real Perspective. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm Michael Morey. <laughs> and I'm Missy Lonsinger. Uh, and b- like our last episode, um, well, not like our last episode, but in our last episode, uh, Mike, you took the reins and you talked about, uh, you helped lead the discussion about Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and I really liked it, not just uh, because I got to sit back and answer questions, um, but because it's the name of the show um we've just never we've never like full transparency for everyone i've never really thought about asking you guys the host and it's not some power thing i just had never had never occurred to me that that's a way the show could go um so now that it has i would like us to start passing around hosting duties a little bit more and uh, so as such, Missy's going to take on this episode, which is about uh, 90s nostalgia and more specifically uh, the film Clueless from 1995 because it's the 25th anniversary. So take it away, Missy. Sure. OK, so Clueless, uh, like you said, came out in 1995, written and directed by Amy Heckerling, um, loosely based on Jane Austen's Emma Basically uh, about a girl named Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone, who is, uh, you know, she's rich, she's spoiled, she's got a really good life, and it's her and her friends living in, you know, Southern California. She's very meddling. Uh, She, just like Emma, uh, thinks she knows best for everybody else, but is clueless uh, about her own life, uh, ends up falling. Wait, do we do do spoilers? It's it's, this movie's 25 years old. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) ends up realizing um that and falling in love with her ex stepbrother uh who's played by paul rudd um and yeah it's it's pretty much just that there's not like any kind of deep plot to it it's really just kind of like a coming of age with a young teenage girl who's very spoiled and very very 90s there there's like you can't shake a stick without hitting some kind of 90s reference it's just dripping with 90s nostalgia in this movie um also starring Brittany murphy stacy dash donald Faison, um who all you know went on to have well except for stacy dash all went on to kind of have uh lucrative careers <laughs> yeah. yeah she took a weird turn um but yeah um yeah 25 years uh who wants to start what do you guys think because you guys hadn't seen it right right right, right. uh and I had, obviously, because I'm a girl who grew up in the 90s. Uh, so <laughs> what, what did you guys think about it? Go ahead, MJ. Um, it's fine. Uh, I had I had some issues with it, and I don't think they were because it's a rom-com, because I'm not like, like, I'm not, I'm not like a man, you know, um, <laughs> like, like, like a, like a real man. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with rom-coms. Sure. Um, you know, one of my favorite my favorite movie of the year it came out was the big sick, which is about as straight down the middle oh, yeah. rom-com as you can get, but it's also got a super good script. Um, yeah. I think the cast is really likable here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that goes a long way to the enjoyment of it. It's like, it's like silly and fun and very nineties. I feel like it was, you know, Amy Heckerling, like she made fast times at Ridgemont high, which is mm-hmm. arguably like, the definitive non-John Hughes 80s teen comedy. Sure. Um, And so I think she wanted to kind of repeat that with um, 90s. And I think she kind of hit the nail on the head as far as like the aesthetic and the vibe. Like, yeah, it looks a little goofy now, Mm -hmm. but it absolutely looks like how I remember the 90s, you know? Oh, yeah. And there's all this like product placement. And I think this is one of my favorite things, not necessarily a product placement, but there's, there's all the, like she is going out of her way to show you 
the era it takes place in. Like the era is almost a character in the film. Oh, um, sure. And so I feel like it's a very quintessential 90s movie that's like about the time it's in. And so you see like the old Coke logo or like Snackwell's cookies, which I haven't even thought of probably since <laughs> Clueless was in theaters. And so yeah. you see all these product placements that like really ground it in um, its time and place. And I think there's, you know, there's kind of two ways to approach a movie is to make it feel like it came out yesterday or make it feel like almost a time capsule. And I think this movie is about as good as it gets as far as making a film feel like a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of helps that the cast either went on to be very successful or be kind of crystallized in this like 90s nostalgia amber like Alicia Silverstone was because Batman and Robin killed her career, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I liked that. I really liked there's a lot of like really subtle visual jokes in the movie that mm-hmm. are kind of happening on the periphery. And I really like when stuff like that happens. Like there's just this through line of students at her school that have like different bandages on their face. Yes. Uh, <laughs> from the plastic surgeries they're getting. And I mm-hmm. it made me laugh every time that happened in a shot. Um <laughs> and there's like a couple other things that happen with it. So I think, you know, as far as uh, fluffy teen romance movies go, it's not like, you know, it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, you know, it's it's got real solid technical skills on display in addition to being like an easy to watch movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my feelings are kind of similar. I don't really have much more to add other than I thought it was good. I liked it. Um it definitely was the quintessential 90s movie. Like MJ stole the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I think what can be contributed to being the best part about it is probably the Emma influence behind mm-hmm. it. Right. Uh, I think that's that backbone, I think, is just kind of strong no matter what it's applied to. And it's pretty clever how it you know is adapted to that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that carries it a long way. It has like a good heart and it's, it's likable. Um, but I also maybe don't understand why everyone's crazy about it too at the same time. Uh, to the point, you know, we're having like 25 year retrospectives of it. It it seems like a perfectly okay movie to me. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, it's, it's really, I mean, especially just even explaining the plot. I mean, there's, there's truly nothing more to it than it's just, we're, we're, it's not even like really, I guess it's a coming of age if you want to call it that, but she, she goes through very little change because she's kind of who she is the whole time. She's always very, I guess you could say shallow. I mean, she's a, you know, a stereotypical 90s teenage girl, but she always has heart. Like we see that throughout. It's not like she went through some great change and, and learned it. I feel like you always can kind of tell that she's got some kind of moral conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice, but it, it's, yeah, that, I mean, that leaves it with kind of like a very basic film. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as I was prepping for this, um, and looking up, uh, you know, stuff about like Emma and, and just, you know, nineties nostalgia in general, uh, it's funny, Jane Austen, I guess, was, um, in, in reference to Emma when she wrote it, said that she wanted to write a heroine who like nobody was going to like, but her. And it's like, that's kind of how Cher is. Cher's not like supremely likable. Like she's yeah. actually kind of annoying, <laughs> um, yeah. very meddling, uh, very superficial. Um, and But yet there's like something about her that it's like, I liked watching it when I was younger, um, watching it to prepare for this. I was like, yeah, this is this is fun. It's just a very inoffensive, like it reminds me of like bubblegum pop of the late 90s. Um, it's just kind of fun to to be there with it, but it's not really offering you a lot of artistic substance if that makes sense 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, what do you guys think? Why do you guys think it's it's resonated so deeply? I mean, Mike, since you brought that up, because, I mean, clearly it has. It's, it's like a staple of, of 90s film and, and for a lot of millennials lives, especially young women. Uh, well, I could I can only speculate, but I would say that basically I think the characters are, are fairly memorable archetypes. And so mm-hmm. I think everybody has like or knows somebody who kind of resembles a person in, in that friend group or those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously none of us lived in Beverly Hills, but uh, <laughs> there, there is, there's something that's kind of immortalized about like that nineties saved. Well, I guess saved by the bell is more like eighties, early nineties, but like that nineties TGIF like yeah. type yeah. high school experience, like mm-hmm. show or movie that that seems to be better represented in like, things from that era than maybe today i mean I, I can't think of like a high school show that is like similar to this today um sure. and, and so i think that there's like a certain amount of nostalgia toward maybe like that experience and granted we weren't in high school during that time but right a lot of the media that we consumed was like focused mm-hmm. on that and so i think that like that kind of shaped our uh, conceptions of high school uh, yeah, it, it, and and like what we expected of of friends and how like cer- certain social cliques acted, and so I think mm-hmm. like in that sense, um, it, there's something that kind of resonates about like what is it what does it say about us and like our friend groups and in this like crazy jungle world that we call high school. So mm-hmm. that to me maybe something that carries through. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, it was it's definitely. I mean, I think I already kind of touched on it of like it almost went out of its way to ensure itself as a time capsule of nineties nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. um, it, it almost seemed like Amy Heckerling had the hindsight of, Oh, I like, I, you know, led a generation of, you know, people in high school with fast times. Right. How do I do that for the nineties? And like really amped it up and intentionally made sure that the movie felt very nineties Mm-hmm. on purpose and i think that permeates the movie i also think I, I don't know if you looked this up i didn't but from what i remember this movie was a massive hit like i, I remember yeah. a lot knowing a lot of people who saw it mm-hmm. um and not necessarily like my own age although I, I do know a lot of people who saw it who were my own age because we used to have a drive-in theater here in bakersfield right and the double feature the summer it came out was Casper and Clueless. Uh, I know a lot of people who their family took them to go see Casper and then you just yeah. stay for the second movie, which was Clueless. So I know a lot of mm-hmm. people who saw it. But mm-hmm. also a lot of people like my sister's age, who's like, it was the prime demographic for it, went to see it and all their friends liked it. And yeah. so I think those of us who grew up with like older siblings remember mm-hmm. them being really into it. And so they remember the movie as like something that their siblings were into. Or maybe yeah. even something that, you know, if you were closer in age, because my sister's quite a bit older than me, that your sibling got you into. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what I think it is. It's just one of those movies that stuck in the zeitgeist because it felt very current at the time mm-hmm. and then got that generation really into it so that as they grew older, it stuck with them. And then as they grew older and it stuck with them, it's something they put on to like show their kids the classics. And so then that generation finds that, you know? Um, yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think also the cast, like 
is very recognizable. And mm-hmm. so it's very fun to like go back and watch them. And, you know, I think a certain age of millennial, like really has some empathy for Brittany Murphy and her story. Sure. And so I think her, her presence in it really is like, Oh, this is cause that's kind of the star making turn that she had. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Was, was clueless. And so um, I think people just kind of remembering, you know, Brittany Murphy posthumously, they go back and revisit it and have a lot of nostalgia for that. And, you know, how kind of compelling she was as a performer. Cause she's like, they're all really like easy to watch. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Perform. Like they're all very comfortable in the skin of these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, every generation of high school age people have their, their, their movie. We had, you know, kind of maybe like the breakfast club or 16 candles for the eighties yeah. kids. And, mm-hmm. and then I think that was kind of, this movie was kind of nineties um, kids movie. And then, I don't know. Maybe afterwards you had like what super bad or something. I guess kind of for the next. Yeah, yeah. Real raunchy, real fast. I was trying. Yeah, yeah. And, and and like th- this was kind of like the last one that like didn't get into that. And then mm-hmm. every, every well, Fast one. Times did though. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Fast Times is a sex comedy. Yeah. Well, so, and and they had American Pie at that time. Yeah. Too. Uh, that's yeah. True. Yeah. So maybe like this. This was kind of like one of the the more wholesome ones. And so I think that kind of maybe contributes to its, its image in a way. Yeah. It hasn't it, like aged as poorly in that sense. Sure. Something um, that was interesting when I was uh, looking up just, I mean, specifically rom-coms of that time is like there, there definitely was a trend of, of giving heroines that were, you know, a little, well, not just heroines because the heroes too, as well. There, there was like an innocence to them. Um, and the, the article I was reading was talking about because a lot of these were written by boomers. Um, but a, a trend that you'll see in a lot of them, especially with the women in the, in the romantic comedies is they are a little smarter. And I mean, even Cher, who's, you know, very vapid, she's still quoting Shakespeare. And it's, you, there was this like trend in the nineties of romantic comedies based on like great literary work. So like 10 things I hate about you is another one that was super popular. That was like mm-hmm. super formative for, for my, you know, teenage years, which is obviously based on Taming of the Shrew. And then like, she's all that, which was like Pygmalion. So it's, there was a, a really nice trend in the nineties, like romantic comedies where it's not just fully like this sex driven romp where that's the only point of, of the characters being, um, but the women are also, I mean, I would argue even in like the Rock Hudson Doris Day, like, even though it's a more toned down version, like sex and romantic relationships were ultimately the point of most of them. And that was like the the driving goal of most of the characters. And that's, even though a lot of these are romantic and they do end up together, that's not necessarily the driving force behind a lot of the the women, um, which is kind of a, a nice thing and a nice change, especially for, I think, looking at how a lot of uh, millennials are who grew up on this movie, especially, uh, I mean, speaking as a woman and a lot of other millennial women I know, like, I feel like that did kind of inform a lot of our own decision making where it's like, yeah, romance is, is great. And those relationships are wonderful to pursue, but that's not necessarily the ultimate goal. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so now that I'm thinking about it, because I was I was thinking about how each kind of generation has like their quote unquote more wholesome one and then the sex comedy. And so I feel like, you know, you had like breakfast club and 16 candles, although sex plays a big part into both of those movies, but it's not the point, the way fast times is. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have that pairing and then you have clueless and American pie. And I think for us, it's super bad in 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to think of, you know, what those were. And I feel like for this, for Gen Z, it's edge of 17 and book smart. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's just yeah. an observation I had. I don't really know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I noticed that it seems like there's a raunchy comedy that resonates with a generation and then like a not as raunchy kind of coming of age, more like straight down the middle coming of age mm-hmm. comedy that resonates with that generation. By the way, Edge of Seventeen's really good if you're into that. I know, Missy, you're not the biggest fan of a coming of age thing, <laughs> but I freak I really like that movie a lot. I'll probably uh, check it out. I did like Booksmart, um, and I liked Eighth Grade. Oh, I didn't like Booksmart as much as I thought I would. Um, I enjoyed it, but I, I liked Eighth Grade, and that's coming. Oh, Eighth years. Grade's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Um, but I don't think it caught the way like Edge of Seventeen and uh, Booksmart. I almost called it Bookhounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did. Uh, that's great. Um, but yeah, it's so. I mean, if if there's not like a ton to say on Clueless, which is fine, because I don't, again, I like I don't think it was a wrong or you know I don't disagree with your point of like why is this such a popular thing? Apart from I think MJ, I think you you made a good point saying how much of a touchstone it was kind of for encapsulating the 90s. Like mm-hmm. when I started looking through the things that came out in the 90s, oh my God, what a decade for film! It's like why is Clueless really one of the ones that we hold on to so much, except for the fact that I think it is such a '90s thing, and that's a good thing for us to look back on nostalgically. Because um, yeah, apart from it just reminding us of things that we liked when we were children, in the grand scheme of movies that came out in the '90s, it's like so low on the list of actual <laughs> things. So okay, I I was looking this up. Directorial debuts alone in the '90s. Okay, Spike Jones, Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, David O. Russell, uh, Wes Anderson, Noah, but all these people made their debuts in the '90s. Like we got, and some of them were incredible for their debuts. Like uh, Reservoir Dogs came yeah. out in the '90s, so it mm. it was such a good decade for film. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I guess the more I think about it, and MJ's point, I think we and we've talked about it before. I think in other episodes that whole like '90s kids thing, where we're like only '90s kids will remember Dunkaroos yeah. or something. <laughs> um, I think there there is something ab- about our generation of really wanting to revert back to that and remember the nostalgia from it. So I I do kind of think that that might be the reason why it's so popular. It was just because it is like a really nice reminder for us to kind of delve back into that and just be absorbed in nineties culture for a little bit, because that's something that apparently we as millennials really love to do. Mm, um, well, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a nice warm blanket. It's nice yeah. to kind of wrap yourself in it. And I, I take no offense to somebody who wants to do that. We all have like our guilty pleasures and, you know, there's obviously something that's really comforting about our childhood stuff. Cause that was, you know, before, a, a giant pandemic and you know right. a yeah. recession and the and, state being on fire yeah God. you know and and all these other things so i totally understand um and respect the idea that like the, it's okay to have like to like um things that might have been like inconsequential in that decade but like are good comfort blankets i i think mm-hmm. that there's room for those in addition to you know your Forrest Gumps or your Shawshank Redemptions or, you right. know, whatever, like these really heavy things that everyone, you know, cites as being great films. There's also room to go and have these just feel good movies too, alongside them that, that are the epitome of um, that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on to the nostalgia portion, I do have two questions about Clueless. Yeah. One, um, why do you guys think, this trend of sort of 90s teen comedies based on classic works of literature became a thing. And two, Paul Rudd's a pedophile in this movie? Yes or no? 
<laughs> okay, that I was thinking that too because when she's she's fifteen, right? She's yeah, she's sixteen. Or yeah, she's like just yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She yeah, she's sixteen years old. Oh no no no, you're right. She's fifteen. She's fifteen because she asks Brittany Murphy when she turns or how old she is, and Brittany Murphy says she'll turn sixteen in May. And Alicia Silverstone says, okay, well, I'm, I was born in April. Like, so, yeah, she's 15. Right. Uh, and he's, he's at least old? a freshman in college. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. legally, it's, yeah. It's, it left like a weird, I got a weird, uh, it was weird to me. I don't know. I, also like, the fact that they're like brother and sister. Yeah, that's what kind of gets me a little bit more. I mean, so, yeah, the, the movie writes around by saying, like, well, they were only temporary step-siblings. Right. But, um, mm. <laughs> every chance they get, they have her saying, you're not my brother, you're not my brother. And, like, having now obviously seen it, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. I'm like, man, they're just really trying to enforce that so that it's not as weird as it definitely is when they finally do hook up. Yeah, so. and so, you know, there's... <laughs> Because I was thinking about that too, and Royal Tenenbaums has that plot line in it. There are two right. step siblings who fall in love with each other, right? Um, and but that treats it as a point of drama for the film, sure. Um, whereas this is almost like a, it's almost like weirdly, why was that in there? Like it didn't mm-hmm. need to. It doesn't add anything to yeah. it aside from making you go, wait, what? And so I had asked Kristen, I was like, is in Emma is this is like obviously there wasn't like a divorce or steps like step siblings you know weren't as prevalent it when mm-hmm. emma was written but are they like cousins or something like that because that you know that would make sense to me and i guess it was just there's a big age gap between them in the book mm-hmm. so he was almost like a father figure to her in the book Yeesh. yeah <laughs> also weird <laughs> which is maybe weirder so yeah yeah but emma was 21 i think if I'm not mistaken, like she was a an, a full grown adult. Um, still weird, but yeah. less weird than a 15 year old and a college brother. I, mean, I I guess the the stepbrother thing is done, so it's a way of allowing them to interact without the the fear, like without like them having to have romantic tension for at least part of the movie. Oh, like no. there's a reason why they've spent time with each other like previously i guess uh, like narrative yeah reason. i was just thinking as you were saying that i'm like well they could have been like childhood friends and neighbors but i'm like i, I feel like that's a poor person thing like only poor people a i think hang out and play with their neighbors and and b fall in love with them because i'm like she lives in beverly hills who who are her neighbors that she's yeah. playing with so right yeah and then like he probably wouldn't be some dweeb kind of type guy if right. he had been like a neighbor in beverly hills you know sure. it, I think it would have changed who his character was. So I think it was in their minds, the only way to preserve his character being the way he was. Yeah. Also, Amy Heckerling's grandparents were in that same situation. Oh, what? <laughs> what? wait, they were seriously? Ex step siblings. Yeah. Uh. Well, that explains a lot then. <laughs> uh, normalize your weird family's uh, marital history. So. Yes. <laughs> um but what was your what was your first question mj yeah didn't mean to derail us on just the second half of that (laughs) but um what why do you guys think that 
like teen 90s teen rom-coms based on classic works of literature became a thing like that's a very specific genre but it, it was very popular i mean the i think the easy answer is they're really good stories i feel like at some point somebody's like hey we have this like abundance of really good royalty-free stories from very long dead uh you know literary heroes and I mean, obviously I mean, it's, it's been said before like nothing is new and we keep repeating archetypes and, and all that stuff but I don't know it's I, I think it's smart um it, we're getting a lot of remakes now obviously in the in the 20s um or 2000s whatever we want to call them uh but they're like truly just remakes of movies that were made like 10 15 20 years ago uh but the idea of like basing it off of like these archetypal stories i think is it was smart in the 90s clearly a lot of those were very very successful like 10 things i hate about you is uh was very formative for like myself and a lot of i know people my age especially young women my age so i i mean that's my easy answer right now as i'm as i'm trying to think on it deeper but they're just really good stories that are free and easy to to get at yeah you guys <laughs> um I, I think i think what you're saying is right i think it's the backbone of those things are still hold up and they're kind of timeless human nature hasn't changed that much in you know a couple hundred years mm-hmm. and um more than that i think that there's a lot of things that have already been done but adding like a modern twist to like a shakespeare work or mm-hmm. you know some uh, some of their like older work is is kind of one of those things that never seems to go out of style people I mean, there's a strong segment of people who don't like when they do like a Shakespeare thing and it takes place in modern times. But there's another yeah. part of people who like do like that a lot and they like to see kind of new twists on the old material. And so mm-hmm. um, I think there's like a temptation to go and kind of gravitate towards that among people who are uh, well read, especially yeah. that, you know, they like, I, I guess the writer, you know, to this had um, read Emma back in call or something like that and then pulled it out and then was talking about, um, like how she when she was writing this book she realized subconsciously that she had been writing a character just like emma and then she kind of went back to the book more and Mm -hmm. like fleshed it out from there so um there's also just kind of a certain appeal i think there's when it comes to like victorian politics or uh, something like that i mean is that really that different than high school in some ways yeah the the social cliques and casts and all that stuff it still kind of exists in high school form and and social media and all that kind of stuff. So there's some sort of uh, preserving or endured enduring element to uh, high school experience and uh, continuity with uh, what it's, what it's like with social stigmas and statuses elsewhere in other times. Sure. Well, and I, I would, as I'm looking and, and thinking about the ones that were based on, you know, classic literature, they're mainly romantic comedies with, a female lead and, and the, like the Victorian ones, Victorian ones in particular um, are, you know, feature very strong women. So I think, um, yeah, we were saying like putting that modern twist on it, especially in high school. Uh, um, like, I mean, just thinking about like, so she's all that, right. is based on Pygmalion and like how many things have the storyline of Pygmalion, because especially for us growing up and I'm not going to say it was only nineties kids that felt that push to need to change yourself to be cooler to be whatever but how many storylines do we have where somebody's getting changed and getting dolled up and doing whatever only to find out that the person that they end up with or that love them, love them the way that they were. Like we see that in so many different things, whether it's my fair lady or, you know, princess diaries was another one, but I don't know. I, I feel like these are, are common stories that people really do like to see. And I think you're right. They, they do transpose really easily into a high school setting. Yeah. 
Um, I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, I was just curious about it. It's just very like, it just, it just strikes me as odd. And you like, you kind of see it play out until the later nineties too, because you have like Amanda Bynes started doing those before she went off the deep end. Oh yeah. Where it was sure. like, she did. She's, she's the, man. the man. So and, good. <laughs> um, uh, oh, what's the snow white one? Sydney white. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, Sydney White and the Seven Dorks is the the plot of that movie, and so. Um, and then you have uh, what was the basketball one? Othello. It was O. Yeah. Is it? Was it just O? Yep. 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 Yeah. No. There's there's quite a few. <laughs> Because yeah. good, Shakespeare well, had good shit. He had good stories. Sure, and and I think there was also like a big Shakespeare. Like Shakespeare was like a thing in the nineties. Like not that he's okay, never sure. not been a thing, but like you have like the uh, both Hamlets, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The the Kenneth Branagh and the Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have the um, Titus. Uh, oh, Titus, mm-hmm. the Anthony Hopkins Titus, Shakespeare in Love, Baz Luhrmann's mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Like Shakespeare was having kind of a moment in the nineties yeah. as well. So, yeah. you know, I guess it makes sense that that would kind of spill over mm-hmm. into the, the teen entertainment as well. I mean, hell three Hamlets, right? Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yes. You're totally right. Yeah. I mean, does that answer your question or do you feel content with that? Yeah. I just, it's just like a, this weird, like flash in the pans. I like, like it was like how swing music came back for like a year in the 90s sure and then like no one's talked about that ever since yeah yeah i mean i guess i guess like you said it was just a thing where well i mean not like shakespeare like you said has not always been a thing but just introducing him again culturally because yeah when i was thinking about um other stuff that came out in the 90s like swingers and stuff and kind of that reversion to I don't know, just harking back on different times and the slang that we tried to readopt. Well, not we, because I was like a child. I'm not going to pretend sure. like I did, but, you know, I don't know. I guess it was just like a thing, Shakespeare and Victorian literature. So 90s nostalgia as we continue our tour. Um, what were some of the movies for you guys personally that uh, were more formative for you in the 90s? Or like, I, I guess if you're thinking of your quintessential 90s films. Hmm, quintessentially 90s films. Uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, man, I'm trying to think of like a movie that was just like, I mean, okay, Encino Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, I, dude, I, I think it was I like that 90s. movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, that movie was kind of like one of my favorites, like growing up. Yeah. I'm mean, like growing up by like when I was really young. Yeah, I, I, I like a lot of Brendan Fraser type movies, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, no, same. Was uh, was Sean Austin? What, what is it like? Rudy? Yes. Was that uh-huh. also nineties? Yeah. yeah, that yeah. I, that was that's also I think kind of quintessentially nineties there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, get back to me on this one. I have to think about this one for a little bit. Okay, that's fair. MJ. Um, I think there are, I'm kind of thinking of kind of two categories of 90s movies, because I missed out on a lot until I was a teenager, which wasn't until the 2000s. Sure. So for the me, the ones that I grew up with that like, 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 uh, like Mike, you were saying, like, feel like a warm blanket. Um, mm-hmm. There are four big ones for me. There's Lion King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mask of Zorro. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. The Mummy. Mm-hmm. And yes. Twister. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially Twister. Twister just feels like it's confined to its time. It just not has has not um really permeated like long lasting social consciousness beyond like the summer that it came out. Right. Uh, like, um, yeah. I, I, sorry. I was thinking like, we're talking more like kind of high schooly type movies, but yeah, I would agree um, that those three or four, um, especially definitely sum up the nineties for me, like maybe like your Armageddon's or your deep impacts, like those, those weird summers. Like disaster like, hey, movies. Yeah. Disaster movies kind of in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. Day. um titanic <laughs> titanic in, in a way it, it i think titanic feels a little, a little more timeless to me yeah, yeah um, that's fair uh, i mean for obvious reasons yeah because <laughs> it doesn't take oh, men in black. It. oh yeah, yeah, men, yeah men in black is another one of those yeah a lot of will smith jaunts are are pretty much that well, there was also like the the SNL comedies uh, or SNL comedy stars because you had Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, Ben Stiller. Yeah, a lot of Happy Gilmore with, stuff. Yeah, yes. Happy Gilmore, Austin yeah. Powers, Farley Brothers. Was, yeah, looking like when I was looking through movies that had come out, I was like, how did all of these come out in the nineties? Because a lot of these are like, I mean, just excellent, excellent films, or just like really, I mean, classic ones. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, with well, I see. So for me, like Spielberg was a was a huge one even before I like knew who he was because Hook was one of my all time favorite movies as a kid, and I would mm. watch that like every time I'd go to my grandma's. And Jurassic Park, um, yeah. Schindler's List, not so much when I was a child. That wasn't sure. I wasn't really rocking that playlist uh, very much, but <laughs> yeah. What about yeah. Saving Private Ryan? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I I remember watching. I don't know why my parents had me watch that when I was a kid, but I was both horrified and then enthralled, and I loved it. Yeah. But I mean, I'd probably say that what dominated most of our '90s years was Disney Renaissance type stuff. Uh, yeah. Growing up, definitely, like you said, Lion King. Um, but then, you know, from the Little Mermaid on, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. uh, even to some of like the lesser stuff, and then and then their, their fall also, I think, kind of at least influenced my view of Disney for a long time because um, you know they kind of. Toward the end of the '90s, they were running out of steam there for a while, and then a lot of, at least for um, for us guys, I, we started to think like, oh, Disney's lame, like you know. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I think Disney kind of came back in the last ten years or so, and they got Marvel that it kind of became like acceptable for guys to like Disney again. There was mm-hmm. definitely an, something that I felt that happened culturally around mm-hmm. that as well. Well, and I know Pixar also joined with them in the 90s because Toy Story, I think, was what, 94, 95? 95. 95, I think, it? yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which was huge. And I mean, that just in general, I remember CGI stuff being added to movies. Like, I distinctly remember, like, Tarzan when he was on, like, the trees thinking how mm-hmm. cool that looked. And, and like, you know, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and, and stuff like that, which at the time, I mean, it... I, I still think like Jurassic Park holds up absolutely, but I mean there's some stuff from the '90s where you look at the CGI and it's like yee. Um, yeah. <laughs> so cool at the time because uh, it was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I mean that was it was crazy that that was happening at that time. Well, you remember like back in the movie theaters, they'd have 
um, they wouldn't have like the pre-show stuff. They would have like these little like factoids kind of come up for like 20 minutes before the movie started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, uh-huh. and it, it would be like this, this upcoming movie has over 200 digital effect shots or CG effect shots. <laughs> You're like, Whoa, 200. Wow. <laughs> you know, and now it's like every shot has that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Cause that, that was really the year where, um, you know, digital effects really started getting adopted. Um, I mean, Terminator 2 was kind of the vanguard of, of that in a lot of ways. The, True. That was probably like the most digital effect shots um, at that point in time. Uh, so, I mean, that to me is kind of also a quintessential 90s movies, action, especially action movie, because they don't make movies like that anymore. Sure. Uh, I mean, they have attempted to, and we reviewed one of them, um, <laughs> uh, ter- <laughs> one of the Terminators, actually. Um, but it, they haven't been able to capture... Um, I think what some of those '90s movies um, achieved in terms of how the, how new and novel they felt, and, and you had I think certain directors kind of at the height of their abilities, like James Cameron mm-hmm. and Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg, he's a different beast now than he was in yeah. the '90s and the '80s. He, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying like there's one that's necessarily superior than the other. I just think we have a more introspective one today, which is fitting. Um, versus kind of what was more energetic or groundbreaking back then. Yeah. So he's just older it, now. Yeah. Mm. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to be more reflective about that kind of, you know, your life and what what yeah. love is or heroism is or something than your more reckless days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Scorsese too, right? Like Scorsese, 90s Scorsese gives us like Goodfellas and freaking mm-hmm. Casino, but yeah. also Age of Innocence and Bringing Out the Dead. Like, come doing like scorsese was all over the place in the 90s and now you know he's still making i would say varied things you know the irishman and the silence are very incomparable and and then add hugo on top of that but hugo and silence and um the irishman can all be viewed as kind of a, a trilogy of his life looking back at his love of cinema and sure. the history of cinema and his love for the preservation of cinema and then um silence is about like the faith and the way his faith has kind of permeated his movies since the beginning and then Mm -hmm. the irishman just kind of looking back on like the like he was the gangster picture guy right Mm -hmm. for decades and so um you know he just he became more introspective with age you know it's not as reckless but then you also he's got wolf of wall street which is every bit as energetic as goodfellas so yeah it's just it just became different i guess like how how they applied their energies and one of the things that to me is um you know part of this conversation might just be like 90s kids 90s were awesome and all that stuff but um there was like an incredible breadth or diversity to movies back then that i I do think we're a little bit lacking now um it just like in terms of the movies that we're talking about they're there aren't that many rom-coms being made for theaters anymore. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's not that many just straight up comedies being made for theaters anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, if there was action movies, they didn't focus on superheroes. They would be like, you know, die hard on a boat or die hard on a yeah. bus or a bus. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, a plane. <laughs> or plane or, or something. And, but it wasn't just that it, it they're, they're more like high concept kind of action movies that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had your dramas that um, were watched and widely seen by a lot of people in the theater, like your Forrest Gump's. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it versus nowadays, and, yeah. yeah, people people won't be asked to go and watch um, a lot of dramas in a theater anymore. They might watch them later, like on DVD or streaming or something like that. But they're not like specifically going out to watch like a lot of these Oscar movies that the, the way they did back then. They're like, yeah. they're still... they don't do it until after it gets nominated. Like that's the yeah, way shift. Yeah. Before yes. it was like, we got to see what's good. Like this looks like it's probably trending towards being nominated. And then now what you see is you kind of know what that stuff is, but it either doesn't hit your market until after it's been nominated or you won't go see it until after it's been nominated. Right. Yeah. It, or, you know, everyone like felt compelled to go and see the English patient for some goddamn reason. <laughs> I was, I was literally <laughs> just trying to bring up that that fucking movie came out in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stupid movie. And, and you know, everyone was like under this mass delusion that, um, that it was good, but they went and saw it. It was like part of the cultural conversation, like a water cooler kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and that is something that has slowly either died out or shifted. It was kind of like, the apex of this old model of the way people went and saw movies and, and then something changed in the early two thousands that the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Truly. And then, and then obviously, you know, 10 years into the two thousands, we had streaming and that really mm-hmm. changed things. And, and then superhero movies could really be fully conceptualized because of CG advances and, yeah. and everything kind of changed and just became like about a big boom and bust cycle. You had these triple a, um, movies that like they're too big to fail type movies and nobody wants to make like the mid-level like kind of safer lower budget movie anymore just want to go and swing for the fences and that's it yeah yeah missy did you name your your warm blanket movies um i do i i think i i may have mentioned well hook was for sure one um like honestly well i mean the disney like all of them, every Disney movie that came out mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe rescuers down under. And I still watch that probably a thousand times. Um, but they're, they're all great that, I mean, it's the Renaissance for a reason. And like the Pixar ones as well, really good. Um, Romeo and Juliet. I remember being supremely popular and that was like, mm-hmm. I, we were pretty young when that came out. Um, and I know because of the school that I went to, cause I was, I was only like, I was, uh, I lived downtown uh, up until like fourth grade and it was at like my school downtown. I remember everybody talking, like it was such a cool thing if you were going to have a sleepover and people were going to watch Romeo and Juliet, especially cause we were like six, seven, eight. And that was like a PG 13 movie. Um, but that, that I remember being hugely popular. Um, Edward Scissorhands is another one probably that I, I look back on with a lot of fondness that I remember watching when I was younger and I liked a lot. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, funny because i feel like a lot of the ones that are really good i didn't watch until i was older because i mean a lot of them have a lot of adult themes like i didn't watch fargo yeah. obviously until <laughs> i was a much older uh person and and that's one that i love um and and same with tarantino like uh, so yeah i mean probably stuff like hook and and the disney movies and, and romeo and juliet are ones that i really think back on really fondly um oh and this is doubtfire because i i could still watch that movie like every day because robin williams is amazing but yeah, those are, are probably mine. Yeah, and it's, that was kind of the second category I was getting into because, you know, Mike, you kind of brushed up against it too, of there is this sort of mid-budget adult-oriented thriller drama mm-hmm. that got really popular in the 90s um, that, you know, obviously we didn't catch up on until we were teenagers. And so mm-hmm. stuff like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, like, you know, you don't see it till you're a teenager, but that those movies, man... 
they split my skull in two. Like I was just like, oh yeah, hey, like hey, what? What? Like I've never seen anything like this before. Like this is, I didn't know a movie could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the it, nonlinear, just crazy shit, and the the, the low budget, mid budget. You're totally right. Um, that that was one thing that I had looked up on when I was pouring through '90s movies. Is a lot of people were saying like there was just an excess of movies being made because they were all being made so cheaply. Um, so there's just like a ton coming out from different studios. Yeah. Sorry, it, continue. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. We just have, uh, we have studios kind of betting on a couple of major hits every year now versus what was, they would bet on dozens of hits. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of environment like lended itself to a lot of creativity or risk with storytelling that a lot of like, I mean, obviously they were focus group things and stuff like and focus test stuff, but this is different. Back then, there was a, a there was more variety and chances to maybe hit different quadrants, and you, you didn't hit the have to hit like every quadrant with every movie the way you do mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, like I mean, there's no way something like The Fugitive would get nominated for Best Picture. Though. Right. I was just thinking right. about The Fugitive and like U.S. Marshals and. Mm-hmm. Like, all those kind of movies, like Ransom, which I really like that movie. Oh man, I love Ransom. That movie's yeah. so freaking good. It, it's it's really good. It, but I can't think of two movies like Ransom that exists today. I mean, like Taken was kind of the closest thing to it, but yeah. Ta- Taken's more was more of like a action movie than yeah. than Ransom, which is more drama related. Mm-hmm. You know, it is they had different goals and niches uh, that just kind of existed endemically to the nineties that can't really be carried over to today. Like mm-hmm. you, if you write a ransom today, it either would just be a taken or a John wick, or it would be like this really Oscar Beatty, you know, three billboards, you know, whatever, whatever kind of like yeah. take on that situation. You, I don't think that you would get like that kind of four quadrant. Like it's got a little bit of action and it's got like some actors that you really like. And, but it like, it's also kind of dramatic mix anymore mm-hmm. yeah what's i'm trying to think like the closest examples i can come up with are john wick but those are straight down the line action movies but they're very mid-budget yeah mm-hmm. maybe i don't know because these are more in the exploitation movie territory too though like i was thinking about the um what's his name s craig zoller movies like bone tomahawk or oh mm-hmm. yeah brawl in cell block 99 or whatever mm-hmm. yeah um, and like those movies are super gory but they're not action movies like they're not they're not violent that often it's just right. that they are they're crazy violent yeah but the, like the, there's like an element of of those being so off-putting that like it, it wouldn't exist in the 90s either you yeah. know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know i mean i guess it's not an action movie but like wolf of wall street maybe Kinda, yeah. You probably like you probably get like more of a mix of being friendly to I mean adult audiences anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Like in so, an acceptable way. Yeah. So, Mike, do you know the 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 kind of like those types of movies that you didn't see until you were older, where you were like, oh crap, like I don't know, you know, I would always kind of heard of it, but it was kind of a discovery for you and so, like after the fact. Um, I mean. Some of Quentin Tarantino's stuff was probably the biggest one. Like I didn't mm-hmm. see Reservoir Dogs until um, 
I was in college yeah, and same. um what else there a couple of the things like along the same lines like boondock saints although honestly i didn't like it and i didn't get the hype around it yeah, um, because it's not a good movie yeah uh, <laughs> I, I was actually kind of surprised disappointed <laughs> um but on the other hand uh crap what what is it fight club i ah. fight club is still in the 90s right yeah yeah, it, 99. yeah 99 that's what i thought okay that one um you know, I was expecting to kind of hate based off of the uh, fan club around Fight Club. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually pleasantly surprised that the movie was not about what most of his peop- uh, supporters purported it to be about. Yeah. Uh, and so that one, I, like a lot of David Fincher kind of stuff too yeah. got revealed to me, I think, through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of the main ones, yeah. Mm. Tombstone was a big one for me. Mm. Yeah, actually, I didn't see Tombstone until college too, now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah. See, mine was a lot of the horror ones, stuff like like Scream and Blair Witch um, and Silence. Mm-hmm. I mean, for obvious reasons, because I obviously wasn't going to watch them as a little kid. But um, just, I don't know, it, it, it's such a difference. I feel like there's such a different feel for 90s horror movies than, you know, like your Friday the 13th or, or Halloween and stuff like that. Um, those really fun. Like, I loved I Know What You Did Last Summer. I don't know why, but like that and Scream, those were my jams when I was younger. <laughs> Like, and by younger, I mean, like, in high school and college, because, yeah, those are ones I didn't come to until later in life. Yeah. Scream yeah. was actually definitely something that I did not appreciate until, like, early, late high school or college, and then I understood the parody stuff and what they were making fun yeah. of more and all, all that. Right. Maybe I need to revisit Scream, because I've only seen it once, <gasps> and I was not super into it. It's good. What? It's good. I, saw it, I saw it in a cemetery. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went to, uh, it was, a. Uh, uh, do you guys know Synespia in LA? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They do screenings at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah. And uh, we went to the 90s all night one. It was, oh man, they showed Can't Hardly Wait, and mm-hmm. then Scream at Midnight, and then Cruel Intentions at 2 in the morning. Oof. And uh, yeah, it was what a lineup. Was a, yeah, it was something else. It was cool, but uh, it was yeah. also like we probably shouldn't have. First off, ants got to our picnic. Oh which, no! Yeah, so we were just like didn't have food. That's why you don't like scream. Maybe <laughs> I, I might have been hangry. I might have been hangry during scream because I don't think we ate dinner because we were like well, we have the picnic food. Um, <laughs> so I was probably really freaking hungry, but yeah, I wasn't super into scream. Oh, it's so good. You got to revisit it. I I think you'll like it. I think maybe I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it's good. I'll revisit it. I remember I saw Scream Two on TV as a kid. Um, yeah, and uh, that's all I remember. I don't remember having strong feelings about it either way. Mm. Did you guys have your first movie going experiences in the nineties? Uh, it's like that thing you sent the other day. Or somebody said, wait, what was it? Spider-Man or something? Oh, yeah. Someone asked in a phone group I'm in, what was the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? And someone said, Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man 2. Was it Spider-Man? No, I think it was Spider-Man. The 2002 Spider-Man. But still. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That made Um, me feel like the freaking night at the end of The Last Crusade. (laughs) I, I either saw something in the late like late 89 or early 90. So I got to see something when I was really young, I think. Wow. 
Uh, I think the first thing I saw was like a re-release of 101 Dalmatians or something. I don't know when that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the first one I I vividly remember um, was they re-released uh, A New Hope. And it was my friends like I must have been in second or third grade. So I was, you know, seven or eight. Um, and that was his birthday party as we went and we watched that. And I thought it was so cool seeing Star Wars on a big screen because that's not something I ever thought I would live to do because uh, I did not know that uh, Phantom Menace was coming down the block at us because I was seven or eight. So why would I? Um, but that was cool. Like that's that's a very formative like movie going experience for me as a kid in the 90s. Mm. Yeah, I have the, I have two. Well, I have one that I'm told was my first one, but I don't remember it, and that was Rescuers Down Under. Um, nice. And then the one, my earliest movie-going memory is Jurassic Park. Oh, nice! You saw that yeah. in theaters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in theaters too. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, and it was, it that, was, was this... that was a sneak in my parents' room and watch it when I was little. <laughs> so it should have been. I watched it like, I watched it as a kid a couple times, but like. I liked it a lot more than I watched it um, as a kid. Sure. I just never owned it. And I don't know why, but I was super into dinosaurs when I was a kid. I was oh, yeah. super into dinosaurs. Like I wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up. Like that was my first dream job. And nice. so um, my parents took me to see it because they were like, oh, he loves dinosaurs. And I was like, I was in heaven. And my parents were like, what are we doing this kid right now? <laughs> um, and then like, I, I revisited it when I was dog sitting and I was like 15 or 16. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I saw this in the movie theater. I was yeah. five. Um, oh, I, I think I know. Uh, so the 101 Dalmatians thing was really released in 91. So I was three years old when I saw my first movie. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, no. I I think my the I think I remember. I definitely remember seeing Jurassic Park. Yeah. That one's probably. Well, how could you not, man? Oldest, if you were that little. Yeah. Yeah. That's my oldest memory I can think of at the top of my head of being in a theater. So I also remember very vividly when Hercules came out because that was the year that um, Edward Cinema opened in Bakersfield. And mm-hmm. there were like novelty tickets that we got that had like Hercules on them because it was going to be like the first movie they were going to be showing there. Um, so I do remember that. And I want to say it was probably 96 or 97, I think. Um, but that's that's a pretty vivid one. Anything at Edwards, because I thought it was such a cool theater at first yeah. before I realized oh, it was yeah. trash and then worked there and it sucked two souls. To <laughs> <be better> <laughs> it, it was pretty bomb when we first got uh, it. It was, it was the best. Right? Yeah. Stadium seating well, for, for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about. It was mind blowing when you grew up <laughs> without it. Yeah. yeah. Featuring giant wall-to-wall screens and dynamic digital sound, which I had to repeat on the movie times when that was a thing that people did. <laughs> I, I was I was the phone call voice for Edwards for a while. So, oh, so, so you were born to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Missy, you basically got started watching movies in the theater. I, I'd say like relatively later comparison to MJ and, and I then. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure I watched them when I was younger. I just, I don't remember it. Those are just the ones that stick out in my mind a little more. Mm. Like I'm, I'm sure my parents took me 
But then there were also, like, they had my sisters and I, not in, like, rapid succession, but we were all pretty young at the same time. So mm. maybe they didn't. Maybe I'm just, like, imagining that they took us to the movies and we didn't go that often because I would not want to wrangle three small children and try to take them into a theater. So, yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah, they, they may have waited until we were probably six, seven, eight. Um, yeah. And, like, all sense. at that age. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, mine was mine was a little bit later. So that is, uh, it's it's interesting to hear you guys talking about like how little you were and remembering that because that's yeah not necessarily something that's in my my own thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely remember Jurassic Park, Lion King, fairly early on. Um, yeah, Lion King was another big one. Yeah, because I, I remember my mom weeping beside me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think I think that's the thing is like you remember kind of like the more traumatic movies, <laughs> sure. Like the things that like made you emotionally impacted. That's probably like yeah. one of the keys right there. I remember being sad. I I don't think I cried, but I like being really sad. And it was the first time I remember like consciously being aware of how sad I was at the end of Tarzan when his like gorilla dad dies. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. <just> so sad. <laughs> and it's, yeah. It was wild. And that guy gets hung. That's, I mean, Disney deaths are just crazy. Every single yeah. one in the nineties was wild. Yeah. Well, nineties was like Pocahontas and the hunchback of Notre Dame, like, which is so dark. So dark. Oh, my yeah. Revisiting it as an adult, the music is is wonderful. But like rewatching, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, this is the saddest fucking thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. He literally is like alone and has his little imaginary friend gargoyles, and it's just, everything is so sad. His life is so miserable. Oh my god! When they like throw stuff at him because he's ugly, I'm like, this is so sad. Yeah, I I visibly remember oh like um, be, like being like one of the first Disney movies where I, I walked out of it and I was like depressed and I didn't like. Yeah. It was like wow, that was a really like depressing movie. Maybe I didn't know the word depressing or something. Sure. Like it was like sad or and something like felt yeah. wrong about it. Um, but the music was incredible. Oh I mean, yeah. Has, has like the best villain song by far, oh <laughs> by the way. It's one of the best, I think, Disney soundtracks, just as far as like just excellent quality. So, I mean, because the Howard Menken or whatever his name is, um, I'm, I'm sad that I'm not Alan, Alan Menken. Alan Menken, that's it. And Howard something. There was like a team of them. Uh, they did yeah. most of the ones. Um, yeah. Anyway, like their all their music was very clever and great and catchy, but like, no, the Hunchback soundtrack is just beautiful and like the, the use of like the choirs in it is so great. But yeah, just super fucking sad yeah so that movie is that was the movie where i was like i think i'm out on disney for a while so i <laughs> uh, yep. I, I uh that's the latest one i remember seeing so i still have never sat down and watched tarzan start to finish i've seen bits mm. and pieces of it but i've never seen the whole movie i've Wait, never said to... <clears throat> no <clears throat> i've never sat down and watched it start to finish i've what seen pieces mulan? of it uh mulan i did see i okay. saw that in theaters did you like mulan uh, I remember liking it, um, okay. but I don't remember like a lot of specifics about it. Oh um, You've only watched them once. This is I've such only a seen different Mulan. experience than my life. Yeah, I think I've only seen Mulan once. I've only seen Little Mermaid once. <gasps> um, I've seen Lion King a bunch. I've seen Beauty and the Beast a bunch. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, I'm thinking like, as you guys had more of a, a theater going experience as younger, like, you know, younger children. I like for me, and again, I I do think it may have been because there were like. Uh, quite a few little kids in my house my parents would always get roped into like watching my cousins too we would just watch vhs's like a lot 
Mm. So that was a lot of my really younger days was just home entertainment and watching these things on video like over and over and over again until you like break the tape. Because like every Disney movie, I feel like I've seen at least a dozen times, if not more, depending on the movie. So that's that's so wild to me. Yeah, um, Hunchback was kind of the beginning of the end also for me and my family. I remember like, I mean, we definitely went and saw Hercules. I think Hercules might have been the last one that we saw. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was kind of the beginning of the, eh, these movies aren't as good as the ones that came before. And we like stopped getting the VHSs. I think Mm. we never got the Hunchback one. Um, We never got Tarzan. Even though I liked Mulan, we didn't get Mulan. Mm-hmm. um we didn't get hercules so like all that stuff uh that that was kind of the end of uh the like watching that religiously uh phase of my life i guess because before then i was similar i had probably seen beauty and the beast and little mermaid and aladdin and lion king mm-hmm. um like a million times yeah i was yeah. very much somebody who grew up like watching the same things over and over and over again. (laughs) So yeah, for, for kid movies though, it's weird because I didn't have, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what the price points were on them, you know, at the time, hang on one second. Or if my parents didn't want to buy them for me because they knew I would watch them a million times, but like little mermaid, I didn't see in theaters. I only saw it once on VHS with my brother. I barely remember the movie. Um, you're going to have to um, watch Disney. We're going to have to do a Disney episode and you're going to have to rewatch all of these. Aladdin I had only seen once as a kid. I've seen it a bunch since then, like mm-hmm. um, as an adult and like owning it on DVD and stuff. But and I remember my dad because my dad is the one who primarily took me to movies. My mom didn't really take me that much, mm-hmm. um, but he loved that movie and we never owned it. Um, the mm-hmm. only like Disney movie that we owned was Lion King that I remember. So my like kids entertainment stuff, the three big movies, um, I was into a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. I had like a Ninja Turtles cartoon VHS, but it was like episodes of the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I would, I would watch that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a lot of Godzilla movies as a kid that we had taped off the sci-fi channel. Nice. Um, But for kid movies, the, the, like the, 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 the big three for me was Lion King Mm-hmm. the page master oh yeah and, with Macaulay Culkin. Um, yeah and do you guys remember rock-a-doodle mm-hmm. oh hell yes no what is so this rock-a-doodle is oh a gosh. don bluth movie and it's basically an elvis biopic but about an anthropomorphic rooster it's sad oh, it's dark it's yeah. super dark i that's, that's, that that's that's movie that i was little and we would watch yeah. it a lot. That was one at my grandma's. We would always watch that and Hook. Uh, and I didn't okay. like Rockadoodle. I never wanted to watch it because that, that movie scared me. <laughs> it was very scary. And like I think that's what gave me um, the the bug for like I am very forgiving of and like a big proponent of like biopic movies. And I think it's because yeah. I watched Rockadoodle so much. And it's just <laughs> it's just the Elvis story. Like yeah. Uh, oh, so man. I think I got that formula ingrained into me really young and so that's why like i'm pretty into music biopic movies more than i should yeah. be for how good most of them are i forget about don bluth movies too because that was also really big because i remember a troll in central park uh the like five old movies i remember those uh, very vividly as a kid i, I think those were all don bluth, toaster, what about brave little toaster was that don bluth? Brave little toaster was the pixar crew that was pixar oh, it wasn't disney Master. Yeah, I knew no. it wasn't Disney. 
it's not Disney, but it was, uh, I want to say it was John Lasseter. Um, it, it probably was, yeah. That one also very dark. That one, very that one scared dark. me too, where he has that dream and like the clown firefighters are coming to put him out because he's on fire. It's just, yeah, it's... It, there's like uh-huh. that one vacuum that's like really scary or something like that. I, yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. He there, like sucks up like, the yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like always freaked me out. Like I've always like a big proponent of like little kids should be freaked out by something like in, in their children's movies. <laughs> I think yeah. it's like healthy kind of in a way. Sure. Um, but yeah, Don Bluth also his, his stuff would go and kind of mess you up too, which I appreciated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Fern Gully. Oh yes. my gosh. With Tim Curry is the freaking mm-hmm. t- uh, global warming, whatever he was. Yeah, the oil. He was the oil monster. Oh, he was BP. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was... Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else did he do? Secret of Nim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he uh, also the, uh, what is it, the Land Before Time? Yep. Oh. Yeah. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Man, Dragon's Lair. Yep. All of them very sad. Who did Little Nemo? That one scared the shit out of me as a kid. Uh, Do you remember that one? I, I, did, I didn't watch it, it but I, oh. I know which one you're talking about. He goes to like a nightmare land. He, uh, I don't know if he flies on a bed or if I'm mixing up that with bed knobs and broomsticks. No, he flies on a bed. No, okay, okay, good. Then I remember correctly. That one scared the shit out of me too. Didn't like it. I was, I was <laughs> apparently frightened very easy as a kid. <laughs> by all these uh, things. Chris Columbus wrote it. Huh. No way, huh? Yep. Wow. He had a good career in the 90s. Okay, was he involved in the Home Alones? Yeah, he directed them. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that, yeah, sorry. I, I lied. Home Alones, absolutely warm blankets for me from the 90s. Such a huge part of my childhood. I mean, even as an adult, I still, those are my favorite things to watch at Christmas time. Uh, same, but only Home Alone 2, weirdly. I only had that oh, one. No, I Trump. totally get that. I totally get that. I, I do like Home Alone 1. I think it's still great, but Home Alone 2 is way better. It, Home Alone 2. Temporary. Oh yeah, yeah, and a cheese pizza. Um, (laughs) Home Alone Two is the one that I owned, and I remember when we watched it, laughing so hard at the scene where he's throwing the bricks at Daniel Stern's character, and he just like he he doesn't stop throwing bricks at this dude, and they keep hitting him in the head, and it's just. It's just so it's one of the, it's one of the first bits that I remember going on so long that it wasn't funny and then went on so long that it became funny a second time. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. You know, actually, what we kind of forgot to talk about and it ties back into the, the clueless discussion is uh, the Batman movies over the 90s. Oh, yeah. Definitely quintessential, like kind of formative things it, for good and bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I know uh, 89 was the first one, but that was yeah. basically a 90s movie for us um, growing up anyway, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you had Returns, which was like this really violent, dark movie that was kind of weird for us kids to watch back then. And But even most other people, I think, were kind of weirded out by it. Mm-hmm. And then you had Forever and Batman and Robin, which are like, super 90s just yeah, yeah. oh yeah Every, everything nutty about the 90s distilled into like film yeah. like the, mm-hmm. the neon gaudiness uh, yeah like the the set design like the staging of all that is just like peak 90s right there um but i also really liked forever when i was a kid like i watched forever a ton 
yeah. uh, growing up. That was, I think that was actually my favorite one growing up. And then I rewatched it recently and I was like, oh God, I was a stupid dumbass. Um, <laughs> That was me but, with Batman and Robin. I don't know why I yeah. liked that one so much, but I did. <laughs> See, even even that one, I was like, okay, this movie's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened there. Uh, I guess my taste got more refined in two years or something. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, Batman wasn't a big deal in my household. I like my family was never super into the superhero-y stuff, so mm-hmm. neither was mine. He saw, so I saw Returns in theaters because my dad was like, oh, this kid probably likes Batman. And uh, I don't know if I got it. I'm sure I was entertained by like seeing Batman and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, it's definitely one that I, I don't know if I saw it in theaters because it came out in 92. Mm-hmm. I would have been kind of young. Um, yeah. But my dad, this, this is something that I will never understand about my father. He friggin loved tim burton <laughs> and my dad like he wasn't like a weird guy like, yeah you know like he, he was just kind of like a guy you know he yeah was, he, there was nothing like real special about him and so not he, like anything goth or artsy like yeah, about i mean he was like he was like a drummer like he was a musician yeah, so yeah, i guess yeah. maybe he had like a little bit of that artist soul to resonate maybe. with him because but yeah my dad loved tim burton like and I don't know if he thought I liked Tim Burton a lot because I liked a lot of Tim Burton movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. But every like I saw every new Tim Burton movie with him because he wanted to. And I never knew if he genuinely liked Tim Burton or he thought I did and wanted to see them. But <laughs> we watched his movies way past when he was good together. Yeah. <laughs> way past it. And like some of them I was a lot more forgiving of because I have like fond memories of watching them with my dad. I mean, hell, the last movie I saw with my dad in theaters before he died was Dumbo. Do you know how mad I am that Dumbo <laughs> has to have a special Aww. place in my heart because it's the last movie I saw with my dad when he was a liar? I hate that. Like, I, <laughs> the movie was Michael Buffer saying, let's get ready for Dumbo, and now I have to have like, some sort of sentimental attachment to it? I don't want that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been. It could have been uh, Alice in Wonderland two or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> goodness. Oh, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not. Su- I, I, I would be more upset if it was Suicide Squad. <laughs> that movie, that Dumbo movie, broke my brain. I know this is not the topic of the podcast, but that same day, Mike is when we went to go see Shazam. Oh yeah, yeah. You were like kind of loopy after hour. that. Yeah. And, and the entire time you guys were like talking during the preview and I was just like, that motherfucker, he said, let's get ready for Dumbo. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that happened. Like, that's a real thing that happened in a movie. Um, yeah. It took anyway, you a while so, to come out of your stupor with that one. Yeah, it blew my mind, man. <laughs> um, I think that was what my tweeted about for the next six days. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, Tim Burton. So the Tim Burton movies had like a really special place in my heart. Uh, sure. Because I like we always went to go see him. Like we saw Edward Scissorhands a bunch on TV. It was on TV all the time. Yeah. And we would watch it. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is one that I liked, but I don't think my parents wanted to encourage me to like it. So I never owned it until I was <laughs> old enough to buy it on DVD. <laughs> um, like, uh, it, but it, it was weird because like my parents didn't like that i liked that movie but they still took me to see all the tim burton movies like sure whatever um so yeah the batman movies 
I saw as like for my friends' birthdays. Like I, I remember mm. going to see my best friend in elementary school for his birthday. We went to see Batman Forever, but they weren't as big of a deal to me. And even the shows, like because my family wasn't super into superhero stuff, I missed out on like even the '90s Saturday morning cartoons of like Batman the Animated Series is a mm-hmm. huge just like kind of black hole for me, which I know is oh. like some of the best Batman stories out there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen I maybe a single digit amount of episodes. If wow. I'm being generous. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen Mask of the Phantasm, but I didn't see that until two years ago when it got re-released. Mm. Yeah. No, I feel like that was like a rite of passage for like most boys growing up was you, you do like the Batman, the Power Rangers, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff kind of growing up. Ninja Turtles before all that. Um, th- those were all kind of like the triumvirate of, of things that you got into like before you were six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm agreeing as if I, I know what it is to be a young boy. <laughs> I did well, like what, were, what were the, was it just the Disney stuff for girls or was there? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of all girls, sure. but um, I mean, my experience was really, really heavy Disney, um, which is, is very clear to see in my life choices now as, as an adult human who's paid for a Disneyland pass for more years than I probably should have given how expensive it is. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, for 90s stuff. Yeah. I mean, Disney was huge Saturday morning cartoons. Um, I did like Batman and I liked power Rangers. Uh, so I, I liked stuff like that. That's just, I mean, because I also grew up with sisters, it was kind of like you had to find the happy medium um mm. so like we liked like doug a lot um doug was sweet yeah doug, yeah, doug was yeah great. like hey arnold um so i remember mm-hmm. a lot of the nickelodeon cartoons from the 90s um i liked but it, it's funny i was just talking to uh jordan about this the ones with the, the weird animation i didn't like so i, I was uh, never like a ren and stempy person mm. i was never um rocco's modern world i didn't like uh yeah, so, yeah there's a little more I, edgy yeah yeah like i I liked as much as I like edgy, scary, harsher things. Now I didn't love that as a kid. That wasn't what I was longing for. And, and I think honestly, like when I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot as we've been talking, there was so much crazy shit that was going on in the world in the nineties. Like, especially with like OJ and just Bill Clinton's shit, like just didn't name like two things. Yeah. Like, there's so much horrible things going that I remember being very aware of as a kid because my parents were very, my mom especially is very political. So I remember the news being on at a very young age because, and she said it now as an adult having little kids and being around them and raising them at home, like watching the news felt like talking with adults because otherwise she was only, Mm. you know, watching Mickey mouse with us or whatever. And so I, I remember at a very young age, like coloring and hearing the OJ trial going on on TV or, or Bill Clinton saying, I do not have sex with that woman uh, at a very young age. So it's like there was a a lot of like gritty shit happening in the 90s um, so that I can I can understand why. And, and as a kid, I, I don't think I was as aware of that. And I don't think this informed why I liked all the kind of Disney stuff. But I mean, that that's why I like that. I gravitate towards that stuff from the 90s, that kind of safe, warm, nice stuff, because, I mean, there was a lot of horrible things happening. And it's nice to remember that there was like a softer side of the 90s that was very sweet and innocent um not to like ham fist clueless back into it but to kind of have that 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 the very sweetness um that was just yeah. very 90s it was it's a 90s that i i kind of like to think of and not so much the really shitty political stuff that was happening yeah, yeah. was was secret garden big for you because i remember that being a big deal to a lot of the girls at my elementary school it it was to my friends um 
so that that was one that and Anne of Green Gables were things that my friends really liked and I really couldn't care less about. I thought it was very boring when I was little. I didn't like like my friends like that in Little Princess. Like I I didn't mm. like them. I didn't like when we had to watch them. Um, I didn't mind watching the nineties little women. Um, I liked watching that and I liked watching princess bride, which I know wasn't nineties, but like that was, if we yeah. had sleepovers, that's what I wanted to watch. Um, but if, if it was something romantic, but yeah, that, that was never in my wheelhouse. Like as an older adult, I can appreciate those kind of movies, I guess a little bit more, but now as a kid, I thought they were very boring. I get it. I, the, the prestige, like kid entertainment movie that everyone raved about that I hated was babe. Ugh. I don't <laughs> yeah, I it's the first movie I remember being bored by. And I remember yeah. we left the theater. My pa- both my parents took me to see it. And that was a big deal because my mom never went with us. But ev- like the media, like the commercials had made such a big deal about how good of a movie Babe was that my mom was like, I guess I got to see this thing, too. Right. And we were all like, I remember at the end having a conversation with my parents where they were like, did you like that? And I was like, no, it's really boring. And they were like, yeah, yeah. it was. They were like, the only reason we stayed at that movie is because we thought you were liking it. And I was like, the only reason I stayed at that movie is because I thought you were liking it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I was a kid and I can't drive away. So. Yeah. Oh, that'll do, guys. That'll do. God. Yeah. Were you a babe kid? Um, I I remember liking it. Um, I remember that everyone hearing about reviews liking the second one, and I watched the second one as a kid. And I thought that city. one, yeah, and I thought that one was crappy. I did not like Directed that. Yeah. By Mad Max's own George Miller. Yeah. Wow. It kind of blows my mind. I I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. That trend. Oh no, go for it. Mouse Hunt. Oh, I liked Mouse Hunt a lot. So good. I thought it was so funny. I love Nathan Lane. Oh my Birdcage yeah. is one of my all time favorite films, also from the nineties. Um that was one that I don't know why. There were a few movies. There was like a handful of movies that for whatever reason, I don't think my parents were paying attention to what my sisters and I were renting from Video City, but we would watch them hey. just inexplicably. Uh Birdcage was one. To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar was another <laughs> one. Um <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> Based on Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is about three drag queens that get yeah. lost uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. Excellent film. Just rewatched it recently, and I still love it. Um, but, yeah, th- I don't know why. I feel like it was my older sister, um, and I I don't know what, uh, you know, was motivating her towards, like, uh, I guess, queer cinema. But that those were the things that, like, we watched a lot. That and Godzilla, which I feel like I've talked about before. But the Matthew Broderick <laughs> Godzilla we rented all the time. And I loved it. And I still do. I think. I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, don't go back to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had you, the the ones like that that were just like, what the hell? Like, how are you a right? child? Um, yeah, the two later mid nineties John Travolta dramas, supernatural uh-huh. dramas, Phenomenon and Michael. Whoa! <laughs> I used to rent the crap out of both of those. <laughs> Keep in mind, Phenomenon is about a guy who gets hit by radiation and gets telekinetic powers <laughs> and then dies of cancer. Wow. There were such wild premises movie. in the 90s. We just went with it. Oh, I love it. Do you remember like there was this one movie? It, it was about like a guy who gets like reincarnated as a dog or something like that for part of the movie. And, the and then it, no, no. It, no, no, it was something I know. else. That sounds I, really familiar. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but 
I remember like this is back in the age where like you didn't really know sometimes what movies you were getting into. And so yeah. like you would see a trailer and you would like just thought it was a dog movie or like a talking dog movie. And then like, you know, you got taken there by your parents and then also it's like, oh my god, like no, it's about like a guy who like gets fucking killed and like gets reincarnated as a dog and like it's oh kind of bad and uh, <laughs> it, it was like not like like funny or anything. Yeah. Or funny. And I remember like just like having several of those types of movies like throughout childhood was like Are you thinking of the movie fluke maybe that's what it is yeah that sounds kind of familiar that premise um, sounds familiar which it shouldn't because it it's fucking batshit crazy but still yeah that it is that movie holy crap um yeah i just remember like there being a lot of movies like that in the 90s where you just kind of didn't know anything you can go like on a <laughs> wikipedia and find out what the movie was about yeah. And um, being kind of surprised, like what it, what actually happened in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Samuel yeah. Jackson's in that movie. Yeah, huh. I, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. What the hell? Ron Perlman's in it. Ron Perlman is also in it. Correct. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> huh. I'll have to. Well, I don't really want to look it up. That sounds actually no. really awful. It has a 27 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So Yeesh. yeah, you're yeah, better look without. Good. Yeah. Uh, the one that I really liked as a kid that turns out <clears throat> probably hashtag problematic is Milo and Otis. Oh, that movie's so sad. Sorry, that noise that I erupted from my voice just now. <laughs> uh, oh my god, that no. Okay, the '90s. I remember thinking this as a kid is what cemented in my mind that I don't like animal movies. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like it when they talk because I didn't like Babe. I didn't think it was cute or funny. I don't like. Well, no, Milo and Otis. They talk too. I didn't like it. I it made me sad. It was such a sad. I, Homeward Bound is really sad. Like I don't enjoy watching these. Um, they just they make me sad. So I, that was when I knew that I did not like uh, talking animal movies because they're always just really depressing, and kind of boring. So does it is it is do they have to be real life? Are you fine if they're animated cartoon? Like if they're yeah, if there's because I, I like Lion King. Um, yeah. But even then, honestly, the animal driven protagonists. Um, are are not like my favorite um i didn't like you know all dogs go to heaven was fine i guess but like i didn't like the rescuers that much um mm. i don't know it, it's i don't know it's kind of hit and miss a little bit i guess it, it's not like a blanket statement as much as i'm making it sound but definitely the live action ones i i never liked the live action talking animal movies yeah so milo noticed like i liked it as a kid and then i found out that they just murdered some kittens to get a <laughs> shot what yeah, remember when the ba- the basket of kittens goes over the waterfall? They did that. They just You're pushed lying. a basket. No. Nope, they just murdered some kittens. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> first the wine, first the spilt wine. Now you're telling me about kittens that die you're trying to ruin my day. <sighs> MJ started my day, by the way, by texting me a picture of a bottle of wine that had fallen on the floor and broken to oh. destroy my white girl sensibilities, which it did. Oh, yeah. And now you're telling me about it. Yeah. A- basket of kittens that got killed it really caught me off guard man i can uh in in the podcast with one statement the english patient's a good movie i hate you so much (laughs) i feel personally attacked no i haven't uh that's one of my happy blind spots (laughs) no you guys have to watch it now you have to no no i'm good i'm good oh do you guys remember when shakespeare in love beat saving private ryan yeah Yeah, that's wild and i actually like shakespeare in love but there's no way there's no way that's a better film uh, the thing about that is I got really invested in that 
as a child who had not seen either film but was extremely upset. I was incensed <laughs> that that had happened. That, that's like uh, the first like Oscar outrage I can remember. Yeah, same. I think that might be why is everyone was like, there's no like my dad also hadn't seen either film, but was furious because he was like, there's no way someone made a better movie than Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, think my dad had seen Saving Private Ryan. He hadn't seen Shakespeare in Love. I remember him just being furious that uh, Shakespeare in Love had won. Yeah. Well, and so it was to the point where it colored in my enjoyment of Shakespeare in Love when I watched it in high school. Because we watched yeah. it uh, in high school, and I was like, I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember a thing about it. Like, I didn't pay any sort of attention to it, because I immediately went in like, I don't care. Aw. It's, it's fun. It's like a movie about Shakespeare, but it's like based on Shakespeare. It's like super, wow. Like, like a nod yeah. the whole thing. It's, uh, it's, it's fine. Who wrote it? It's Joseph Rosen. Oh. Rosen, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead guy wrote it. Tom Stoppard? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Oh, yep. wow. Pretty sure. Well, I, talk, I I like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead a lot. Same. Huh. It's real good. He needs to do just absurdist stuff. Don't don't try to make whatever that was. I mean, and I like Shakespeare Love. It's fine, but yeah. Although it, any movie where it's like Tim Roth and Gary Oldman hanging out for two hours, I'm probably going to love it. Truly. Two, two of my favorite actors. So, so good, easy. both of them. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. <laughs> any other 90s movies or things we want to hit on? That that was a nice nostalgia walk down memory lane, I'm not going to lie. There were some things like, was. Oh, and also very sad things that I haven't thought about in a long time. Thank you, MJ. Yeah, uh, I don't know how this episode will turn out. It might be kind of masturbatory, but I kind of don't care because that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can always like split it into two parts. You could do the clueless like part, which is thirty minutes, and then do the hour <laughs> and a half of nostalgia yeah. about. And uh, the weird thing is, I feel like we didn't touch on like the breadth of everything. Like we kind of sped yeah. past Will Smith. Like, oh yeah, no, I've big got a deal. list in front of me. I, I think the comedies we didn't really talk about for as, Jim Carrey. as many as there were. Yeah, well, the Farley Brothers ones, like uh, mm. Tommy Boy and There's Something About Mary and all wow. of those, just all these like really funny SNL actors coming out and just pumping out shit tons of movies. Yeah, um, Wayne's World. So I mean, there's Wayne's a lot. Movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. The Austin Powers movies, those were massive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Good. No, but we managed to get the uh, comfort blanket of podcasts going, so yeah. I liked it. Yep. Yeah, none of the Tom Cruise stuff. Uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible, The Firm. Oh, I just right. watched that for the first time recently, and it was very good. Yeah. Is it, it? I remember liking it when I was a kid, so that's good to hear. It's, it's good. You know, it's funny. Jordan was watching it, and I was, uh, I think I was, like, doing work and kind of half-assedly looking over every now and then and then at some point i don't know when i just closed my laptop and then just started watching it with it, so it was very good it was very enthralling yeah yeah yep <laughs> well <laughs> until next time the 2000s are the bad guy <laughs> <laughs>